song about how we're all the same How we all like snacks and cuddles and we all like playing games We all like to be hugged and loved, tucked in our beds at night Tall or small, boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white Welcome back to Barn Banter, the podcast for children's musicians by a children's musician. That's me, Cowboy Andy, and this is Barn Banter. And so today we're going to be talking about the, what I call, split personalities or, <laughs> <laughs> or the balancing act for some musicians out there who play in the children's music genre. They also have music that isn't for kids and I'm there, but I don't really know how to approach both sides at the same time. I'm kind of blocked when it comes to that. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to talk to some folks out there who have split personalities in this yes. way and see if I could maybe figure out how they're successfully doing it. Some of the tips and tricks, best practices, challenges, that sort of thing. And so today, all the way from New York City, we are inviting our new friend, Esther Crow, to the barn. Hello, Esther. How are you? Hello, Andrew. Hello, everybody out there. I'm so happy to be here with you on the phone. Thank you. <laughs> it's, I love me. this technology. It's so cool. <laughs> I know. It really is. So, Esther, here's the cool thing. Uh, besides the, the music that you put out for, for children on your own and also with your band Thunder and Sunshine, you also are, well, you're fantastically busy. I mean, I, I went to your website and when I, when I, when I started to... Uh, stalk you online it's like i have to always say that like well yeah i did a bunch of research so i like you know i searched your name and found out all this really cool stuff about you that good for you the internet's working it is i googled you <laughs> you you are very prolific in the in the music in the music world and i could go through the list of bands and projects that you're working on or you could and i suspect you would probably do a better job so why don't you jump in and tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, well, thank you. Uh, yeah, split personality, that definitely sums me up pretty well. Um, I feel like I've lived a million lives in the performance arena because uh, before music, I was acting, I was doing stand-up comedy, I was doing improv comedy, I was doing serious plays. And then uh, probably about 15 years ago, I started getting more involved in music. Mm -hmm. um, and a friend of mine uh, approached me, my friend Sheza, approached me about coming up with a um, roster of songs by the band Devo. And we decided to do a chick fronted Devo cover band and call ourselves Diva, D E V A. Brilliant. Uh, no, that's just brilliant. That is so cool. <laughs> And it was a ton of fun, and it happens to be where I met my husband, Dan Crow, who was the drummer for that project for a couple of years. And, uh, you know, Diva definitely comes and goes throughout the years. Uh, Chesa had moved away to L.A., and uh, we were estranged for a few years in terms of that project, but... Anytime she's come back to New York, we try to put on um, a show, and she's actually moved back now, so we are hoping to do something once or twice a year, um, if time allows, since we're all so busy. But uh, what I was going to say is then I met my husband, Dan, and um, actually Dan Chesa and I formed The Electric Mess as a cover band because I had 
a 60s mod wig that looks like Sonny Bono's wig, and mm. I decided it would be really fun <laughs> since I'm a character actor anyway, and I like to put a lot of humor in my musical projects anyway. Why don't I try to fool everybody and dress as a guy, essentially a drag king from the 60s? <laughs> uh-huh. And why don't we do a cover band of really obscure 60s garage rock music found on labels such as Crypt Records and Nuggets. And so that's what we did. And it was so much fun. And then Cheza moved to L.A. Dan and I continued the band. He had been playing drums. He took over guitar. And we turned it into an original project. So we still do covers from time to time. But this band has been active now for going on 12 years and we are now an original project i ditched the wig when i became pregnant with my son Uh, (laughs) i figured well i could go into my fat elvis stage and wear sort of like bigger kind of you know um shirts and ascots and that kind of thing and i I tried that and i actually cut my hair short too Uh but it just sort of i just sort of turned into this like kind of androgynous character not really a you know a dude anymore but Mm -hmm. um Cat was out of the bag when my bun was in the oven. <laughs> and then I started growing my hair out. Anyway, I've had, yeah, it's like every look I've pretty much had. You can look up the different videos. Um, <laughs> so, long story short, yeah, the Electric Mess is still up and running. And um, we've toured Europe a few times now and plan to again next year. That's my adult rock band. It's a ton of fun. But after I, had a baby and I just feel like this is maybe a little cliche because I've talked to other musicians about this but you know I started listening to the kids music that was out there and there's so much good stuff but I felt like I could offer sort of my own voice to that genre and it just sort of happened naturally I just started writing songs for kids Mm -hmm. and I quickly discovered that a lot of the songs kind of had a funky bent to them and i wanted to put together almost like a throwback another throwback band Mm -hmm. (laughs) but more like in the vein of the 70s um you know disco funk even a little hip-hop there but um rock also there's you know a lot of kind of genres have influenced my songwriting so i wrote i think it's 12 songs um for that album this is thunder and sunshine i put together a band of really talented musicians, local New York City musicians, and we're still going. Um, I just have that one album. I wrote it about, I think we put it out in 2016, so it's a little old now, but whatever. Mm -hmm. And we're still playing those songs because we don't, it's a six-person band, um, three female singers, which I was really happy to assemble. I thought that that would really be our strength and how we could stand out, that there's three female singers. The only thing is it's six people and everybody's a working performer and everybody needs to get paid. (laughs) And so when we can, I know you know all about that. When we can gig, we certainly will if, you know, the price is right or else I will give money out of my own pocket because I feel like at this point in our lives, everybody should get paid as an artist. I'm pretty adamant about that. Not that I, you know, of course, I always wish I could pay more, but Mm -hmm. it's tricky. So that's also why I started doing some solo stuff because it's it's just easier. I schedule myself (laughs) one person as opposed to six. And obviously I don't cost as much as a six piece band. So it was easier to get, it's been easier to get solo gigs. 
sorry. I'm just like vomiting of the mouth here. So no. stop me. No, okay. So, well, so this is all, this is, this is the topic of conversation. And what I'll probably do is uh, we're going to go back and dissect each one of these a little bit to, to get a little bit more of the, of the content there. But yeah, but this is your story and this, and it makes sense. And a lot of, I always call it the origin story. Where did you come right. from? How did you get your superhero powers? You know, how did you pick out your cape? If you wear a cape, you know, that, a mask. Do you, I did. You know? I did for a while. Did you? Actually, oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about wearing a mask and then someone said, you might scare the kids. I was just like like a, a Lone Ranger mask to go with my cowboy <laughs> shtick. And oh. I was like, now I'll just wear sunglasses instead. That's much more convenient. Right, anyway, right, right. So jumping, jumping back, going from a performer to being a musician and then the, so the band, the diva band, was that the, that's, that was your first stage band? Uh, well, unless you want to count my college band that was called Face Plant, and we also did a lot of covers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cool. And I did a lot of music and improv and that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, I didn't really start doing, you know, ramping up music until I guess it was the early 2000s or mid 2000s. And Diva sort of kicked that off, and then the Electric Mess, mm-hmm. you know, took off after that. So yeah, and you know, I'll, I'll still act from time to time, but it's mainly my my main joy is music. I see similarities between you and I as far as historically doing things. I used to do some other kind of music, and then I discovered children's music, and then I invested emotionally and creatively and everything into that genre. That sounds kind of like where you are too, but the difference is. You, like you said, you're going to go tour Europe with the Electric Mess. You're still, right. pull, you still do the diva thing when you can, when it's when it comes up, when someone's in town, and you can make a go of it. So, this is that split personality. You're doing both things at the same time, <laughs> and as a peer in this in this gig, I'm really curious about a few maybe kind of specific things. And one of the things that I'm curious about, just kind of as an anecdotal thing is the content. The content between, you said you did stand-up, and clearly there's humor in Diva, Devo, their their music, I find some of it pretty, right. pretty I mean, funny. They're, they're really witty. And then also oh, yeah. The Electric Mess, and I've watched some of the videos and things like that. You guys are having a good time. Do you... How do you do? You, do you find that there's a crossover as far as the material between the things that you do for for the let's say adult music and the stuff that you write for the children's music? You know, not some no, not really so much crossover. But I mean, the thing that I'm learning, and I'm kind of learning this lesson, sort of later in life, <laughs> uh, or in the mid part of my life, I guess I should say, is that even though I sort of put on these different characters, stage personas, if you will. Um, it's all me, you know, mm-hmm. whether I'm talking to kids or adults. I mean, it's it's still me. It's just obviously I'm going to tone down the <laughs> – I can't, you know, have a uh, raunchy mouth on stage when I'm doing a kid's performance. Um, I mean, the hardest thing – not that I'm that raunchy with the electric mess, but you know what I mean mm-hmm. – um, the hardest thing I think is doing my own promotion and and social media and that kind of thing. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't have. I have a separate page for like Thunder and Sunshine on Facebook, and the Electric Mess has its own page on Instagram as well. But I haven't created, and that's mainly just because talk about split personalities. It's like when you manage 
so many different accounts, it gets very time consuming. Oh, um, yeah. So I don't, I do have an Esther Crow music page on Facebook, but I felt like for Instagram, that's the challenge. It's like, I don't want to turn off my parent parental audience, you know, with my electric mess posts. And, but then I also don't want to, you know, turn off the, the rock and rollers who are paying attention to my late night uh, rock shows when all of a sudden I'm talking about doing, you know, a bookstore gig. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. But I've kind of just left it up to if people are really not going to be able to handle sort of multiple personalities within one social media page that I have on Instagram, then so be it. They don't have to follow me. But a lot of people I know get a kick out of both. And, and a lot of parents, actually... <laughs> And this would make sense. A lot of parents who like the music that I put out for Thunder and Sunshine on my solo music also tend to like the music for The Electric Mess. So, mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot of hip parent friends, that kind of thing. I don't assume that I'm going to attract the evangelical crowd, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I also happen to be very political on my social media. So that's another thing a friend actually said to me last year. Uh, oh, you may want to be careful about, you know, what you're putting on Twitter because you might scare away some of those parents who might be interested in your music. And I thought, well, then, you know what? They might be the wrong parents and that's okay. Not everybody's going to like everybody. What's that saying? It's like once you have some enemies, you've really made it. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, if I'm scaring people away, then that's whatever. That's not for them and that's fair. But it is a little bit of a tight rope. I have experienced that tightrope, and I don't know if it's real or if it's not. But when it comes to social media, I know that over the past few years, as I've developed my uh, character for children's music, I've been very reserved in what I end up posting on my personal stuff because the, right. because the crossover is so close. In a community the size of Missoula, where I, where I live, uh, which is 50-50 conservative and 50 liberal but right. the community is only about 70,000 people so wow. so it's pretty small as far as the, the the fish pond here as opposed to where you are which i, I think there's maybe more than 70,000 people there i don't know i've i've been told yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> so you have a wider audience to reach out to just a little bit right little you bit. can burn yeah. a few of those you can burn a few of those with uh you know with a post who and of course the sad thing is it's not the kids it's the parents so the kids may love your music right. but the parents right. don't appreciate your commentary so exactly kind of weird yeah. that way and at the same time all social media should just be to parents and not kids so uh, that's kind of a well, that's also how I kind of look at it. It's like, well, you wouldn't be showing this particular post to your to your kids, so it's okay, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> right. again, not that I feel that I post anything too inflammatory or, you know, X-rated or anything like that, you know. But, yeah, it's interesting. And I haven't come across, you know, I have not come across any conflict in that regard. It's just that it was interesting to me that my friend made this comment mm. for a while I was I'm hardly ever on Twitter anyway and I don't even know what it was that I posted but it was something probably very leftist politically mm -hmm. and she made this comment and I and I did you know I think I actually refrained for a few months from posting stuff and then I thought you know what the heck with it this is me right and I'm confident in my political beliefs which is basically 
you know, treat everyone <laughs> the way you want to be treated. And, you know, I don't have to tell you, mm -hmm. but uh, I, I am leftist and I am for changing systems and this and that. So I'm, I'm just going to be myself. Right. On your website, I noticed that you actually have the two tabs. One of the tabs is for kids, and then there's the for adults. And right. so that I completely understand and suffer through it too. Only so many hours in the day, and I don't want to have to manage 18 different websites to cater to specific, right. to curate <laughs> the content that nobody's going to see anyway <laughs> you know right. out there, that's the other side of uh, the other side of it is like well who's actually even paying attention but that balance is interesting so i asked the question about the material and the humor because for me i know as a songwriter some of the material that i write that you know i'll play for my kids i have two boys and they're nine and and 13 and i'll play stuff for them that they totally think is funny because they know me and my humor and we can do some inside jokes and stuff but it's not stuff that i would play for other children necessarily. Not that it's like scandalous, but that it's just they you know, they probably wouldn't get the joke the same way and it wouldn't resonate right. the same way. So I was curious as you as you approach songwriting and performance about that about the crossover. When you write a song and coming from that perspective that I also identify with, which is it's just me. And right. so it's up to me to kind of decide, well, which which group does this go into? Do you experience that as a songwriter? Well, let me see. I mean, uh, when I'm writing a song, I usually know if it's for the electric mess or if it's for, I usually know pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. um, now that you mention it, there have been a couple of times where I've come up with a, a song idea and I usually run them first past my husband. Um, the two of us and our bass player, uh, Derek Davidson, the three of us write songs for the electric mess. And... Um, so we'll we'll usually bounce ideas off of each other. We used to write more songs together, but now we usually bring in each of our own ideas. But I'll run something past Dan, my husband, and a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I can't figure out, like, is this, do you think that this is for the electric mess or is this more of a solo song or is this more of a Thunder and Sunshine song? So there have been a couple of instances of that. Yes, some of the stuff that I'm writing now for myself, I, I play with acoustic guitar, which I'm trying to get better and better at. Uh, and some of the songs, like there's one song that I just wrote about a muskrat. Mm. And that one is, is um, you know, that could be an adult rock song <laughs> to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, but, but the subject matter, but that's what's so fun about it. It's, you know, um, and those are my favorite um, kids bands, too, that obviously that, you know, that appeals also to parents, the music. So it's like the subject matter, obviously, you're talking to kids. It's about a muskrat, mm -hmm. um, an aquatic animal with webbed feet and fur, a very strange animal. So it's playful. It's educational. It's geared to four or five year olds. But the music is, you know, it's pretty funky. So it's it's pretty rocking, and it sounds like something that hopefully adults will like to listen to because, frankly, they're the ones buying the music, right? So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're the ones making sure that the kids show up at the gigs and buy the music, right? Yeah. On the other side of that is, if they do like that music, a lot of them will check out the Electric Mess. A lot of them can't go to late night gigs, and I'll tell you, it's getting harder and harder to do the late night gigs and oh, then have yeah. to wake up and do a, a birthday party, which 
<laughs> next weekend is going to be hell because I have a Friday night, late night gig, and then I have birthday party Saturday and Sunday. So oh. that's going to be interesting. Uh-huh. But um, but I've done it before. But it is tough, you know. But uh, so I don't expect to see those parents at a midnight show all the way out in Brooklyn. But they'll check out videos or they'll hear the songs online, and so that's always good. You know, <laughs> it's sort of like one project feeds the other in a way. Well, and that's a, that's another part of the synergy that I was curious about about how things do feed each other in terms of production and gear and marketing. There's a lot of similarity. There's a lot of crossover in the physical aspect of putting any music out there. It doesn't matter the genre. If you're going to rehearse, if you need a rehearsal space, it can be you could be doing opera or reggae or children's music. It doesn't right. matter. So do you find, uh, have you found ways to leverage both of those? I guess one of the first questions is when you're between Thunder and Sunshine and The Electric Mess, other than you, are there any other specific... Uh, musicians who are in who are in both yeah <laughs> okay the bass player Derek Davidson and um, the drummer Alan Camlet um, who also happens to be our uh, recording engineer he's a great one mm-hmm. Hoboken recorders giving a shout out to them um, so yeah those two are just a great rhythm section and great guys easy to work with easy to schedule so that was sort of a no-brainer for me mm-hmm. um I, I joke around because <laughs> they've also recently been, they, they played with the uh, diva when we did a show in December and I had another new wave project and they both were in that. So <laughs> it's like, I just take these guys with me wherever I go. Oh yeah. You've got your, you've got your own session musicians just yeah. to go with. That's awesome. Um, I mean, Dan would be, my husband would be right there for every project as well. It's just that he's way too busy, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so there is, um, and actually, we were asked, I can't remember what festival it was, but we were, I was asked uh, for a quote for both bands and if there was crossover. And it, w- it would be for somewhere out in Long Island, I think. So that would have made sense and it would have been fun. You know, they, they, they wanted both bands at one point and then the whole thing didn't work out. But yeah, so... It is funny. And I have had like, you know, fantasies about how, well, what if, what if the electric mess was just like, you know, the alter ego was <laughs> a kid's band. And we like, but yeah, it's, there's been, you know, there's some change in, uh, especially because I wanted the female singers, you know, I wanted, um, the female singers, um, Sunny Beam and, uh, Dr. G. Wiz, who also happens to be an excellent keyboard player. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, Leslie Goshko. So, yeah. Uh, I, and, and, you know, vocalists, uh, female vocalists. So that was important to me um, to have that representation for the kids' band. Mm-hmm. Did you find it difficult or were there any challenges when you went to find these, uh, the, the, the drummer and the bass player? Were they were they into it because it was you, or did you have to do some convincing to get them aboard with children's music? No, they were into it. Um, they, yeah, yeah, they were pretty much. You know, I played them the music. I don't really remember the process, but I think I just asked them immediately, <laughs> and they were into it. Yeah, oh. and I think you know it was. Alan is pretty savvy in terms of the music world, and he was saying, "Oh, you know, like the Electric Mess could help." Sun and Sunshine, vice versa, like Sun and Sunshine could help, you know, get the word out about the electric mess. Um, just the more exposure and more, you know, 
different audiences. So, and we've already talked about that, you and me. So, yes. <laughs> so, all right. So, I think that this is a, probably a perfect time for us to insert some examples of your work. So, I think what we're going to do is probably jump to read you your rights. Can you tell me just uh, give me uh, 15 seconds about this song? This is from The Electric Mess. Is that correct? Yes, it is. You know, it's so funny. <laughs> It's off of our latest album, but, you know, you sort of sit with these songs for so long before you even record them. So I think I wrote this. It was one of those um, instances where I had to wake up, or not wake up, but I was, like, just going to sleep. And, of course, oh, now an idea has to hit me, and I'm tired, but I have to get out of bed and grab my phone and record it. And I guess it was the main lick for this song or something. And uh, and so that's that's my process, by the way. So I run to my phone and I go, dun and dun and dun and dun and dun 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 or whatever. And then I write the lyrics after that, after I've developed the musical idea. But it's almost always the music first, and then it's painstaking to write those lyrics. Even though I'm a writer in other ways, it's really bizarre. But yeah. Now for this particular song, I. I, I know a ton of kids out there of all ages who their parents are like, hey, and I'm not saying that you're Metallica, but they're but because the parents like Metallica, they play it in their house, and then the kids like Metallica, or they like, I mean, the Beatles are ubiquitous. They're like everybody loves the Beatles, and their you know their music goes across all genres. But do you find that when it comes to like this song, like "Read You Your Rights," even though the content may be a little sophisticated for a seven-year-old, do you ever get any headbangers in the crowd who are following along with this? I, actually, I do have a couple of friends who's, who have said that they've played the electric mess for their kids, usually a little bit older than my kid is six, but, you know, like a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old, and they they really like it, and they dance around, and they like our videos and all that. So that is pretty pretty funny. And Vincent, my son, I mean, he knows our music so well just because the poor thing has to listen to it all the time. We're practicing all the time, and um, he's an aspiring drummer, so... Dan has even taken him to the studio, and Dan will play the songs that he's heard so often, so he knows them. He's pretty much memorized them. So Dan will play the guitar, and then Vincent will like play drums and know exactly how to play because, or you know, not play the drums um, exactly well, but he'll know the song so well that he can really play along. Oh, right. How do you feel about that? About about Vincent being six and listening to to this music? Are you like, yeah, right on, or do you have any reservations? Oh, yeah. No, it's great. I mean, you know, it's funny because he goes to a music school, um, a public school that teaches him music, uh, where he takes violin lessons twice a week, which is great. And so he plays violin. And I try to, I just want him to hear it all. I want him to have exposure. My parents were classical musicians, so I grew up with that. But my mother mother also liked jazz, rock. I kind of just got into on my own. I was a big MTV kid. Mm -hmm. So I heard it all too and i think anybody who's fortunate to be exposed to all genres of music i mean that's that's just a wonderful thing you know so yes we primarily listen to rock in our household but there'll be sunday nights we'll have dinner with my mother we live with my mother and you know we'll put on brahms and so we'll all listen to that together yeah so he likes it all but i think he yeah he 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 really likes rock and roll (laughs) cool well let's we're gonna give this one a spin right now
remain silent. When you were talking about, um, I can share with you that like my my band was named uh, the Salamanders for the first like six years. That's because we collectively named it that. And then as my character grew and the other original members of the band left, I wanted to create a, a different and new identity for the group. And so I brought my Cowboy Andy character to the front, renamed it, went through a whole rebranding process to call it Cowboy Andy and the Salamanders. And part of this was because there were venues who were, we were trying to book gigs and they said, well, you know, we went to your website or we did a Google search on you and we, we just don't get it. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And it turns out that about 300 miles from Missoula, where I am, there's a, a town called Bozeman. And in Bozeman is this garage punk whiskey drinking band called the Salamanders also. <laughs> and so when so when venues would search, they would search and they would be like, so are you like this weird garage you know, f- band that also does kids music, they were having a hard time differentiating yeah. between the two. And so I have like this firsthand, like, uh, it's actually a thing where people do a search, find your one thing and can't put their mind around it in the other. Right. <laughs> so talk, talk to me a little bit about Thunder and Sunshine, because that's not, because neither of these See, we're, we're, I'm taking us somewhere. <laughs> you'll see. You'll see when we get there. There's Electric Mess, which is very popular in the rock group, and then you've got Thunder and Sunshine, which is its own separate thing. Do you find that promoting and marketing the children's band is significantly different or more challenging than marketing the adult band? Actually, no. I find it a lot easier. Um, <laughs> cool. Because I have worked with publicists in the past, um, and that's been great. That's you know. Even if you don't, and I'm sure you know this too, I don't know if you've worked with publicists, but even if you can't see the results, you know that they're out there simply because, you know, the name at least, even if somebody hasn't listened to the music, it's it's just name recognition. If somebody sees the name Thunder and Sunshine or Esther Crow or The Electric Mess more and more often, you know, it, it does mean something. It'll get tucked in the back of somebody's mind, and then maybe it comes up again. Oh, wait, I've heard of that band or whatever. So at least that's the hope with marketing. That's like the best you can hope for. I mean, I just have to admit in general, and this is part of, honestly, the reason that I got into writing music for kids, it's more lucrative. It's easier to get out there. It's easier to sell physical merchandise in a way because it's for kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many adults now just stream things. They don't really care about the physical, certainly CD. A lot of adults care about vinyl, and we probably do better with vinyl uh, with the electric mess. But um, it is really a labor of love sometimes, um, you know, with the quote adult rock band. Um, we love doing it. But New York City is very hard. Um, it's easier with kids' music in New York City. It's easier to do, you know, bookstore or um, sort of a, a more lo-fi. Uh, that's why I've been doing a lot of solo stuff, too. Um, but even with the six-person Thunder and Sunshine, that's more lucrative than the Electric Mess because we'll get booked at Union Square Park, for instance, you know, or Hippo Playground, Um and there's just, you know, more money behind that. Uh, venues, rock venues, late night rock venues are really suffering right now. Right. Along with so much else in the city and in the world. Uh, but there is more of a reception for 
And now I'm taking you off on a tangent and not even answering the question. <laughs> I, well, that, that pretty much gets to the heart of it to a certain extent as far as how do you leverage both. And it, it's sort of what, it, what it's all leading into is, well, first what it's leading into is um, I think we should spin a track from Thunder and Sunshine now just to show the musical juxtaposition between the two creative projects, these two creative projects that you're working on. And uh, so I think we could play the letter Z, if that's all right with you. Yes, please. And tell me, do you have anything to say about this song before we spin it for our guests? Uh, if I had to pick one song on the album that I think might be our most popular or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> our hit, um, it might be this one. Uh, you know, it sort of has, well, you'll, you'll hear it, but it has sort of that very danceable beat and kind of world music feel. Um, and it's about the letter Z, which is a fun letter. <laughs> we have a fun video for it too, by the way. Oh, the video is really cool. And it's the uh, the production of it. I, I really appreciate the production of it. I love the lightness of it and kind of the inherent joy that you were able to imbue into it. And then, of course, the Thank kazoo you. solos. Uh, you know, you can't get, I can't get enough kazoo solos, so... That's right. Pretty, pretty I have cool. to also give a shout out to Jeff Lewanzik, the extremely talented uh, illustrator that worked on the video and animated parts of it for us. So oh, yeah. that was great. Right on. Okay. Well, we're going to spin that one right now. I said A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Oh! 
is kind of what I was talking about before where the where you have the electric mess and you have thunder and sunshine and now you are working on your own solo album for children is that true yes and this is just going to be you your this is the Esther Crow album or are you are you putting it under a different brand I'm probably going to put it out uh yeah under my name I may have some guest musicians or vocalists on it but most of the songs are probably going to be primarily me and my acoustic guitar. So it'll be a lot more intimate. Um, you know, I started writing these solo songs probably around the time that I was doing a lot of my bookstore, Bank Street bookstore appearances. And then I started teaching uh, formally at a, at a school and then another school, <laughs> uh, which I do once a week. Um, and so it just sort of kind of happened organically that I was writing these songs. Mm -hmm. And so many of them are about animals. So it's going to be a song about, uh, it's going to be an album about animals and the planet and animals who help the planet. Oh, cool. Just try to give it a little more, infuse a little more meaning in there. <laughs> As you look forward to releasing this and then performing, touring, or you know, playing out under this new brand, which is you, pretty much. This is where the crossover really happens. Everybody who's known you before, it's like, are you going to, what do you see as far as a challenge? I guess I'll put it this way. Or, or have you thought about that as far as how you're going to address the fact that now you're actually bringing all of these different elements together under your name? Yeah, I'm not sure. And you know, I, to be honest, I'm not sure the marketing of it, that is always a question. And that's always kind of probably been my main challenge i'm like hey i just want to sit here and write songs uh -huh. like you know why do i have to think about this business part of things but it's like the finances you know oh gosh you know i wish i could uh, hire an assistant here but <laughs> i mean i may to that end i may hire a publicist when i release the album we'll, we'll see we'll see i've actually applied for my first grant ever so fingers crossed but if i don't get that i should be applying to other grants at this point. So I hope to do that and get some funding. We'll mm -hmm. see. If not, I'll just have to put it out. Yeah, well, there are some opinions that I should somehow keep that 
I mean, the, the you know, the band isn't going anywhere. Like I said, if I, I'm just not writing for the band right now, but, um, you know, the band can perform at any time. And so I'm not sure if somewhere on the album, it should say Esther Crow from Thunder and Sunshine. It's, it's a tricky mm-hmm. one. I mean, I feel like it's one and the same, but nobody knows that but me maybe, but it's one and the same in a way because I did write all the songs for Thunder and Sunshine. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's uh, that's a good question. <laughs> you want to help me out oh, with it? <laughs> I know that part of the advantage that I had when I rebranded was that I could then detach myself from the salamanders. So that if I was going to, because I didn't feel like it was ethical if a library wanted me to play, but they're only going to pay a hundred bucks, and I have to drive, you know, forty-five minutes to get there. I can't bring the whole band for that, and so it's like, well, look, right. I can't bring the whole band to do this, but I can come just me as Cowboy Andy, right. but they're like, well, we want to hire the Salamanders. It's like, well, okay, so what I did is this is how I separated it. So I could be like, oh, it's Cowboy Andy and the Salamanders. So if we're playing in an event, I can put those both together. And if it's just me, it's like, well, now I can just detach my brand. And this is this is the workaround right. that I had. Uh, but it seems like with six people and, and the collaborative effort that you were doing with Thunder and Sunshine to say it's Esther Crow and Thunder and Sunshine wouldn't wouldn't fall off the lips as easily i don't know you know it is a little tricky i mean you know but to that same point alan helped me with stripping out all the vocals from the tracks so that when i do my classes or birthday parties or solo gigs it's a combination of acoustic guitar songs and Thunder and Sunshine songs, essentially karaoke. And then I have Handmade Puppets, also designed by Jeff Lewanzik. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it seems like a well-rounded show. But yeah, so I'm, I'm singing Thunder and Sunshine songs. And then also, um, Sunny Beam has been doing, she's done a couple of shows with me. She's one of the singers in Thunder and Sunshine. And the two of us will do the same thing with backing tracks, sing sing the songs. And we bill ourselves as MC Esto and Sunny Beam from Thunder and Sunshine. Oh, cool. So, yeah, there's many layers here. I don't know. Uh, but I do try to stick that name, Thunder and Sunshine, in as a branding name, even in connection with me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, you invest a lot of time and energy, as we were saying, putting that out there. And just even if people don't listen to the music, as you said, if they know the name, that's that has some traction. But it also right. has some traction then, uh, as you were saying, on the adult side for the electric mess. You know, there are a lot of adult bands. There's uh, Bare Naked Ladies and They Might Be Giants, although some could argue They Might Be Giants was always kind of a children's band just in their approach. But mm-hmm. They're our favorites. Yeah. <laughs> um, Presidents of the United States, you know, Casper Baby Pants was the lead singer. He's, he now performs in children's music as Casper Baby Pants. So there's there's quite a few crossovers. The advantage of, of saying, you know, Esther Crow from Thunder and Sunshine, there's also the the other side, the advantage of saying Esther Crow from The Electric Mess when you're releasing a solo project. Because as you were saying, uh-huh. there you have a fan base of adults out there who have kids or nieces, nephews, grandkids, that they're like, oh, now now she's doing this, which, you know, there, there could be, uh, and it, there, there seems to be an advantage to that too. Right. Like when uh, The Electric Mess went to Spain couple of years ago, I brought some Thunder and Sunshine CDs and I did give a couple away to a couple fans who like one fan had a, you know, a niece. And I said, oh, I have some music for kids here. Why don't you take this CD? So, oh, wow. Well, when are you, what are you planning on releasing the, the Esther Crow children's album? 
Yeah, that's a good question. I'll probably, I have seven songs ready. I need to write about three more. I'll do a full length album. Fingers crossed I get some kind of grant money, but probably in the spring or summer. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be ready before probably late spring. Mm-hmm. And then looking to release it maybe next fall. Right on. Well, when it comes out, if you if you wouldn't mind, as you go through this process and you collect the wisdom, basically, that we have through life experience, and if you if you have some more lessons mm-hmm. learned and you want to come back on and chat with us again about what that process was like getting up to to pulling your your personal brand uh, you know, out from the adult music and out from the other children's music and forging your own path. Love to have you back on where we can talk about just how that worked, how that's working for you. Great. I would love it. Yeah. Esther, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing your experience. Thank you. It's so Andrew. cool that I don't have the time and energy. I would love to get more of my adult music out there, but I just don't have the time and energy. It's, it feels with everything else to manage that. I don't but either. But it's like you're managing like four projects. It's awesome. Person. Well, okay, yeah, so you could be a crazy person. I suppose that's true. But you're from New York City, so you're supposed to be a crazy yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm an American. I don't know how to relax. It's, it's all fine. <laughs> wow. Thank you, Esther, for joining us on Barn Banter and talking about your career in music and the juggling act that you do between the three different projects. Three? Four? Four different projects? Holy cow. So busy. There's a... There's something to be said with staying busy. I think we've talked to guests before, and they say, the busier I am, the better I am. And I kind of feel that way too. I still pull out the guitar and play my collection of adult music that I've written. And I still think about how I might find time to use my band or pull together a new band to try and get out there and play. But also to Esther's point, and I don't know if you have found this to be the same or not. Kind of weird asking a question during a podcast like that, huh? Hey, anybody out there who agrees with me, go ahead and look. Can we have a show of hands? A show of hands of everybody who's agreeing with me right now. Oh, look at all this. Yes, I definitely think that's a majority of the listeners at this moment. Ridiculous. Um, so the idea that it's harder to make money and, and to find any kind of a return on making adult music versus making children's music. There's plenty of venues for children's music in my community. There's a handful for adult music in my community that would still take live music, original live music, and, you know, outside of uh, open mics or something like that. And those gigs don't pay. If they do, they certainly don't pay very much, which means to get to any kind of a level where you could see the same return as I see, at least with my children's music, I'd have to play a lot or go on tour. And, oh my God, I'm like 50 years old. I don't want to do that in that genre because then I have to be up until like two or three in the morning. And uh, that would be painful. I don't want to be up at two or three in the morning even having fun. Why would I want to do it while playing music? Oh my God, I sound so old. How many out there, let's see a show of hands of everybody out there who feels as old as I do when they think about playing in a bar at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> Look, I'm counting. One, two, three. It is. It's a majority. Oh, wait. Saved by, <laughs> saved by the music. Okay, so this is Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy. Watch tune in next time. I bet it's going to be even more fun. Can I get a show of hands on that? Okay, everybody say la la la. Sing with me. Here we go. La la la. Oh.
snacks and cuddles And we all like playing games We all like to be hugged and loved Tucked in our beds at night Tall or small, 